This is the Historian's Podcast, Extra Edition number 19, an update on coronavirus and other topics from Amsterdam Mayor Mike Sinquanti. Thanks for joining us, Mayor. Thanks for having me again, Bob. How did Amsterdam fare in Tuesday's storm, Isaias? Uh, not badly. Uh, we Our systems held up pretty well. Uh, I was hoping there was not going to be a, a, as much rain as some forecasted, and it re- there really wasn't. But we did have some downpours, uh, but the systems held up well, and the, the flooding situations were minimized, and so we were happy to escape. Yeah, yeah. I think Montgomery County did um, did pretty well. Other places, yeah. of course, did not. Um, and according to recorder coverage, you're not feeling well. Did did not attend yeah. last night's council meeting. And of course, the question comes: Have you been tested for coronavirus? No, I haven't. But I, I have felt run down uh, for about a week now. And then uh, on Monday morning, I developed a sore throat, and the city's. Uh, you know, we have a safety plan in the city that says if you have symptoms of COVID, you really should stay home. And fortunately, um, I can work from home. So uh, I, I, I'm following our protocols and uh, staying home until I feel uh, better. And I will return to work at that time at City Hall. I hate to be a nag, but are are you going to get tested? I will if I get more, um, you know, if I, if. It, I don't have a fever, which is a key, and uh, I, this sore throat started on Monday. Um, it feels a little better today, actually. So I'm 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 tr- trying to follow the protocol of you know not getting tested unless I have a fever, sort of thing, uh, and that's but what I'll would, probably do. And, but would you say at this time you're in quarantine or you're not going anywhere? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay home. Now, uh, how is Amsterdam doing in the? Um, with the COVID virus right now? We are doing okay. Uh, we're in the 140s. Uh, last time I looked, we were in the 140s uh, in terms of caseloads, um, many of which, of course, have, have been uh, cured. Um, you know, they're over it. Uh, but we're still, uh, you know, this opening up is causing exposures uh, to, um, you know, strangers, meeting strangers, and it's certainly has had an impact on on our numbers, but um, we're doing okay. The Amsterdam Common Council, again, this from the recorder, um, uh, met Tuesday night virtually via Zoom, but I gathered from the news story that there's a state order or the state order allowing such virtual meetings is expiring. Will the next Common Council meeting be in person? Yes, especially if the governor doesn't make any changes. Uh, right now, it expired on August 4th. And we have actually, last week, uh, before I started feeling uh, the way I'm feeling right now, we had started uh, the process of trying to figure out how we would open publicly are those meetings. Uh, the, the biggest problem, of course, is City Hall is an old building with small rooms. We do not have a lot of space, and we cannot prevent people uh, from attending a public session. So we are trying to work that out space-wise so we can socially distance and accommodate, you know, the demand for attendance at the meetings. Um, and, and we'll be working on that between now and our next meeting, which is uh, going to be two weeks from now on a Tuesday night, and we'll have a plan in place to do that. And you did not participate in the in the Zoom last night, right? I listened in. Uh, I didn't participate. Um, but I did listen in and, uh, you know, I was aware of all the issues that were being discussed. And if, if needed, I would have 
open my mouth, you know, but I didn't need to. So I was an observer. What, what, was there action taken or what were some of the actions taken? Well, yeah, we, uh, we had several things going on. We, we, uh, one of our DRI initiative, uh, we had received some monies uh, to promote the city and we took a creative approach at that. We've actually engaged, uh, we're bringing a company to Amsterdam, uh, uh, that does gaming, uh, you know, virtual gaming. And, um, mm-hmm. so, so that was an interesting take. We are, we are actually, uh, uh, hiring them to do a project, uh, and, um, they'll be coming to Amsterdam to perform that project to, to work on that project. And they'll be staying in Amsterdam afterwards. Uh, and what mm-hmm. we want to do is promote Amsterdam as, uh, you know, a place where virtual gaming professionals come and work. And so, I think it's a unique approach. Amanda Bearcroft has been working on it for the several months now, and I, I think last night was a culmination with the council approval that we will try this unique approach, uh, actually um, marketing our company, but marketing our city as a good place to work um, for virtual gamers to work by actually bringing a company to our city. So we're excited about that. Okay. I mean, a, a game, I mean, I'm sure it's not what it is, but a game like Fortnite, you mean? That's what virtual gaming no, is? No, this, this, this company actually does uh, virtual events where, uh, you know, colleges actually have created teams, virtual teams that compete in virtual games. And uh, it's happening throughout the country. It's becoming a very huge market, a very huge uh, business segment. And um, what they do is they actually set up competitions and uh, hold competitions uh, so that, and they do it with sponsorships. For instance, the Coast Guard hired this company to create a gaming event that the Coast Guard used as a recruiting promotion. Uh, And what happens is people compete in this gaming event, spectators watch it, and of course the Coast Guard gets exposure and the game is related to what the Coast Guard does. So it's it's really a tie-in uh, of, of three or four different elements, that, and it's a very creative thing. And I was very intrigued by it, and I'm I'm happy that I'm happy that we're taking this uh, this dip into it. Do you recall the name of this company? Uh, you know, I knew you were going to ask me that, Bob. It's it. I want. Uh, I do, and I don't. I don't have it in front right. of me. It's. I, I want to say it's game. It's. I, I will get it for you, Bob. I, I apologize. I don't have. That's it. all right. It's, it's horrible. Um, but. <laughs> Well, again, there are a lot of you know issues here and there. One thing that I believe was supposed to happen at the council, but I didn't see any coverage of it uh, in the morning papers, uh, was the council to approve sewer reconstruction. Yeah, that's a that's a huge project for us. Those are our, our pumping stations have been um, have been sorely um, lacking in terms of maintenance and. Um, these are critical elements in, in, in our sewage distribution system. They're pumping stations that, you know, take the sewage from areas of our city and pump them down to our, our facility down at the East End where the, where the sewage is treated before it's uh, dispersed into the river. And these pumping stations have huge motors that run those pumps, and those motors have been failing when we were in a situation where a couple of them had failed. And, uh, we you know, that was, that was one of the reasons we were having so many problems with EPA and uh, overflows. So uh, it's a big, pro- big projects of getting those pumping stations rebuilt. And so we're really excited about that and happy that they were able to get started with that. We're talking with Mike Sinquanti, the mayor of Amsterdam. One thing that I believe the council members uh, discussed 
uh, and you have been studying how to improve Amsterdam neighborhoods. That's always been a big issue, which are weighed down by blighted buildings and foreclosed properties. And you should, you have, Saturday, you did a piece, I think, for the recorder saying Amsterdam should do what the Romans do, do what they do in Rome, New York. Can you explain? Yes. yes. Um, well, one of the... One of the real challenges um, we've we've been facing is we have a lot of blighted properties, and um, we we don't have any regular mechanism uh, in City Hall or any individual in City Hall who is responsible for just uh, you know taking people who are interested in these blighting properties on a, on a regular basis and getting their proposal and you know making a decision on their proposal and 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 what. Rome did, or Rome does, and many other cities do this, and I picked Rome because it was so close by and proves it can be done, you know, with a, with a community similar to Amsterdam, is they form a committee, and that committee meets every month. And because a blighted property, getting a blighted property resolved, you know, you've got tax liens, you've got title issues, you've got inspection issues, you've got code, you know, construction issues, you need everybody in city government. Uh, every department in city government to sort of get together and make a decision. And we were doing that basically once a year. Rome does it once a month. And by doing it once a month, things get moved forward much more quickly. And so we're going to, we're going to follow that model. It's something that I've actually studied before, um, before the election. And, um, you know, I, I see success happen throughout the country by, by taking this committee approach. And, and the other thing is we've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of people who are interested in properties that are on our foreclosure list. And of course, because of COVID, the court system in New York State has sort of store, stalled the foreclosure process. Uh, so we we aren't doing anything. You know, we're at a standstill and we, we never should be at a standstill. We have blighted properties out there that have already been foreclosed upon. We need to do a much better job marketing those properties, exposing those properties to potential buyers. We need to do a much better job uh, getting taking that interest and instead of telling them to wait, saying, okay, let's work together right now and resolve this together. And that's what we're going to be doing in Amsterdam. We're going to be doing it on a once-a-month basis with a committee approach. So anyone who's interested in a piece of property in Amsterdam that is on the foreclosure list, or even if it isn't on the foreclosure list and it's about to be foreclosed upon, we want to act as an expediter. We want to act as a promoter of those properties and try and, you know, bring, bring, bring them to mm-hmm. conclusion. And we've got bunches of property. I'm telling you, I've got 15 on a list right now that are either going to be demolished or we have people interested in them. And my goal is to bring that number up to 50 and start working on 50. And that's, that's what we'll be doing. And uh, if I understood correctly uh, from the coverage of the common council meeting, this, the court part of this, the, is that the court's not open that handles foreclosures, right? And it's still not open. That's correct. It's county court. It's still not open. But there's an additional problem, and they may be changing. Because they don't want people to be evicted from properties, they are making it, um, they're bringing in a check and balance, a new check and balance, where instead of just going to foreclosure because of COVID and the delay that COVID's caused, they want to make sure these people, don't want these properties. They want to make sure the owners of these properties haven't just been una- haven't just been unable to pay for the back taxes and things because of COVID. So they want us to do face to face conferences with these people, and uh, so 
So that's a that's a new wrinkle that's slowing it down even more. And I shouldn't, you know, and and that's a. I mean, that's true. If somebody really want is is because of COVID, if somebody could not get to us and pay for the property or didn't have the money to do it, but wants to do it, I think that's a great reason. But they can reach out at any time for that. So we're we're hoping that um, there's going to be a conference this week where they're going to talk about this new wrinkles and and you know make it clear that um, it's really going to cause a a bigger problem for cities like Amsterdam. Uh, if we don't move on these foreclosures very quickly, and we'll work, we'll reach out to any owner of these properties who who really wants to keep them, we always do. But but it's a situation that has kind of complicated it this year. Now this is in the news you can use category. I've seen in a couple of places about Route 30 in Amsterdam. Route 30 North is closed for a week. Where, where is it closed? The uh, the bridge that con- the bridge that connects um, our arterial system, Route Five, and the bridge uh, coming across the river um, is everything is open there. But if you go north, you know you try to get onto Market Street on, on the bridge in front of City Hall. That's closed, and we're detouring traffic around. DOT is rebuilding all of the bridge systems that DOT um, manages here in the city, and they're on that bridge at this particular time. So it is causing a detour of traffic for anyone going north on Route 30, right where the City Hall Bridge, where the City Hall exit is. Okay. You know where I'm speaking, right? Right. But you can still cross the river on Route 30. Absolutely. Right? Yep. You can cross the river. It's published on our website where the detour takes impact. But uh, yes, you can cross the river. You can get through. You can get to Route 30 North. You just have to. You just can't go do it by going up that bridge. And uh Hopefully that'll be, uh, you know, as good as new soon, and we'll reopen it as quickly as possible. There's also a a story in the recorder uh, quoting the city water treatment operator, Randy Gardner, discussing lead levels in city water. Are you familiar with that story or what's happening there? um, I am. I I actually spoke uh, and I've been corresponding with Randy on that. Um, Lead, of course, is an issue that is is very critical and and important in the city's water supply. Um, We had we do have and had an elevated level in our in our water. Um, We are working very hard uh, to to get that level down by doing a variety of things. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I would urge anyone who's concerned about their water. Uh, there, there is, there are ways to get it tested independently. The city's required to do the testing that we do, and we do it. But we don't, we don't do it on a continuous basis. Um, and and any, it, you know, people see this point two one, and and it isn't true of all the water. It's just true in these certain certain tests of water. But people should have every confidence in their water, and they they can and should get it tested independently through EPA. There's no charge for that, and there's in this press release that Randy's issuing. There's a number that they can call for that. But okay. um, you know, it's a serious issue. Mm-hmm. Also, I gather from a recent recorder story that there's been what was described as a tepid, which I interpret as small, uh, relatively speaking, response to the census in the city of Amsterdam. In other words, people filling out the census. Very disappointing. Uh, COVID, and, and, you know, I'll blame a lot of it on COVID. We, uh, as a city, we had, we were very, very much proactive in the very beginning of this, and we had worked with several organizations, and we had planned a series of events designed to get uh, people in the neighborhoods where traditionally low response to census occurred to events 
And at these events, we intended to have tables set up and, and people um, there who would sit down with uh, people from these neighborhoods to make sure they understood the census, to help them, you know, to help them uh, register for the census, to do everything necessary to get them counted. And uh, all of those events had to be canceled because of COVID. And uh, so that really put a dent in our in our ability to uh, be proactive. And because COVID has lasted, this pandemic and this uh, thing has lasted for so long, uh, it's really it's really hurt. And then nationally, uh, there just seems to be this effort to de-emphasize the census and, and not count uh, people who are have traditionally been hard to count. And I think that's damaging to our democracy. And it's it's you know it's just it just seems like a storm of uh, a perfect storm of, of of just census destruction. And it's very upsetting to me. So, uh, you know, we're going to we are going to get proactive on this in a different way, because what I'm reading is really bothersome to me. And it, it, we need to we need to get people counted in this city. And, and we're going to work to do that one way or the other. What can you do? Well, I'll get out there myself as soon as I feel better. <laughs> but okay. I'm gonna. I'm working with a group of people. Uh, we're going to be doing some uh, mobile phone call. We're gonna, we've got some ideas. We've got some ways to reach these segments of Amsterdam that aren't being counted, and we just haven't been able to implement them. And we're going to implement them in a socially distant way. Uh, and we're going to make contact with these people, and we're going to make sure they understand the importance, and we're going to help them as much as we can to register. But we are going to do something. Another topic, the latest Amsterdam salutes goes to Joyce Gorman. What has she yes. done for Amsterdam? Joyce is our uh, Joyce makes our city beautiful in more ways than one. She's a beautiful lady, but she uh, she's a horticulturist, I call her. She's And she's a good friend. I've known her a long time. Uh, but she is the person who really has helped us make the the, the, the plantings along the MBGO bridge, I don't know when the last time you've been there, Bob, but really over time they've improved tremendously. And over the last two years, Joyce has, a, has had a direct hand in that. She not only has helped us pick the plantings, she's actually planted them. She, she was on her hands and knees planting tulips in the frigid cold in November, and those tulips just blossomed beautifully. And, and now there's a whole slew of perennial, fl- not perennials, but seasonal flowers, uh, daisies and uh, that are the colors and just the arrangements. They're just gorgeous. And during this pandemic, one of the few things that Amsterdamians are able to enjoy is walking across that bridge and through that park and looking at the flowers that Joyce has either choreographed or planted herself with, a, with the help of our recreation, mm-hmm. tourism, and marketing department. So we saluted her. Plus, she's the treasurer of the Amsterdam Waterfront Foundation, and they do magic. They, they take a, a minimum amount of money and turn it into a summer filled with concerts of great entertainment for our city and uh, joyce plays a huge role in that so we saluted her long time she's deserved it for a long time very good uh and also there was a movie or tv shoot or in amsterdam jim glorioso uh, yes. who, who ran for political office and so forth but you know he has he other interests he's shooting a pilot for a gangster comedy, and he did some of the shooting in Amsterdam and brought along a star, if you will, from the Howard Stern radio show, Jackie Martland. <laughs> Jackie, yes. And, uh, you know, it was an exciting time for the city. Jim does a great job. Uh, he's he's really uh, well-versed in, in production and in television production. And, I mean, he, it was a yeoman's effort on his part to put this whole thing together. Uh, in addition to that, he tied in Amsterdam. I mean, we had, uh, you know, we made sure that they did filming, driving by businesses, 
Uh, he, you know, ordered the food from Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam restaurants. He, we had our police and fire department involved, and uh, it was just a really nice experience. Again, during a very tough time in our city, to have this activity that that uh, you know Amsterdam could benefit from, and and we we thank Jim for all of his efforts on that. Well, Mayor, anything uh, you'd like to add? No, Bob. Other than uh, you know, again, thank you for having me. Uh, we are. Uh, you know, we, I, I'm fe- I'm going to be feeling better soon. Get back to City Hall, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we're on the tail end of this. We're, we're reaching the end of this pandemic, and not in the middle. You know, right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us, Mayor. And as you and I discussed before we started, I think we're going to pause uh, the uh, Historians <laughs> Podcast Extra Edition, so we won't be doing another um, such interview soon. But I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you. I think we started this in April, April, May, June, July, August, five months. We did, Bob, and I appreciated the opportunity to talk to you uh, as frequently as I have. And, and yeah, I think it's a good idea, and I like your your use of the word pause, although it's been been used quite often lately. So, uh, but but I really do appreciate the time and effort you've put into helping us, uh, you know, keep Amsterdam uh, informed. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast Extra Edition number 19, an update from Amsterdam Mayor Mike Sinquanti. I'm Bob Cudmore.